is our text. There is something wonderful and something beautiful about seeing peace, fear, turn into peace. Have you ever seen this with your own eyes? Have you ever seen fear give way to peace? We were in Davenport, Iowa, in our recently moved-in home, our new home as we moved there from the seminary. And it was a two-story home, small little house, and in the living room there was carpet. And carpet is great until you have to clean it and take care of it and actually, you know, make sure it doesn't get stains and crumbs. But we have children, and at the time, this was the place where Nora was just a little one-year-old who had just taken her first steps. And carpet collects all sorts of dust and crumbs and uh, particularly goldfish that get ground to the deepest fibers that you can't even get them out with the strongest of vacuums. So you had to stay on top of it. You had to vacuum the carpet quite regularly. And so one day, as Kara and I are just kind of doing our normal house chores, it's time to vacuum the carpet. And there in the living room, Nora is playing safely on the floor. Until all of a sudden our peaceful, serene home just, just roars into a moment of chaos with the loud noise as the vacuum springs forth to life. And there, that little one-year-old's innocent face turned to be stricken with fear. The vacuum was inching ever closer to cause her destruction. <laughs> and her eyes looked at me almost as if they were screaming. There she does as she oh so often did as she was afraid. She scurried. She crawled because she was faster at crawling than walking. She crawled to me, jumped onto me, and there I saw fear turn into peace. As her terror-stricken eyes turned to soft and gentle, a look of security. Her once tense body kind of melted into my arms as she was safe. It's beautiful when fear turns in to peace. Have you ever seen fear turn into peace? See, in John chapter 20 this morning, on the evening of the first day of the week, that would be that very first Easter Sunday. Jesus has been raised from the dead. The, the tomb has been discovered to be empty. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. Alleluia. But there's a problem. There's a problem of not knowing now what this empty grave means. And so the disciples they were uncertain of what the Jews, the leaders of the Jews, were going to do to them for what did they do to Jesus. They, they killed him for what he has done. Now what comes next? And so the disciples were very, very afraid. How do we know? Well, other than Scripture telling us they were so afraid that they actually had locked their doors and there they sat. I can only imagine that they sat there in locked rooms and they were quiet, only speaking in whispers there. They stared at the door, waiting for any minute for someone to barge in. They stood there staring at the door with screaming eyes, shallow breaths, and anxious stomachs. A fear that grips you. Have you ever felt that kind of fear? Fear that has a complete stranglehold on you. See, I've, I've experienced this kind of fear before. 
Uh, usually this kind of fear only comes uh, generally when there's truly life or death or when I watch a scary movie, right? Any scary movie fans in here? It's not a very popular genre, I'll admit that. But I once watched a scary movie, and normally they don't bother me all that much, but this time Kara was out of town. She had gone to Grand Rapids for the week to take Nora to see the grandparents, and there I was, and I had the bright idea of, you know what, Kara doesn't really like scary movies, I like scary movies, Kara's not here, so I'm going to watch a scary movie. And it was all fine. Until the movie ended... And I looked at the clock and I said, wow, it's time to go to bed. And so I started to shut down the house. I started to flip off the lights. And as I sauntered through the house, all of a sudden the shadows started to move. All of a sudden the routine noises a house makes, especially in the winter time as it creaks and cracks, all of a sudden all of these whispers that I never noticed were there were screaming as loud as could be. And every, ever since I watched the scary movie, I could no longer look out the windows or, or, God forbid, the mirror. And so I did what someone who was afraid does. I did that kind of embarrassing speed walk up the stairs, skipping a step as I go. And I went right into my room. And just like the disciples, I shut and locked the door behind me. I was afraid. Now, sure, this fear may be a little different than the fear the disciples had. And sure, I was sort of afraid of things that weren't actually happening or weren't really real. They were only in my mind. And, and sometimes our fears aren't always something tangible that we can see, touch, and feel. Sometimes our fear is unseen. Sometimes our fears are things only in our minds. I think all of us have experienced fear. And maybe this morning you bring with you different kind of fears. Uh, maybe you're afraid of being unwanted. Maybe you're afraid of, of being rejected. Maybe all you want to do is, is to be welcomed, whether it's by your family, by your friends, by your church, by your society, or maybe you just want to be welcomed by someone who will love you just and see you just as God sees you, someone who is worth loving and dying for. Maybe you simply are afraid of being alone, and maybe you are afraid of being rejected. Maybe you are afraid of being unlovable. Or maybe... Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe that simple reality that the future is so unknown and unplannable and unexpected that, that it causes you to quake. Maybe you are so afraid of not having control on what is to come and that you just have to let things happen as they happen. Maybe you are so afraid that, that something could go out of plan, out of sync, out of order, and that terrifies you. Or maybe, maybe you're afraid of failure. Maybe you're afraid of, of setting out to do something that you really want to do, something that, that you're passionate about, something that inspires you, something that could help so many people. But taking those leaps, taking those steps are risky. 
And there is the potential for you to, to not only let yourself down, but you could let other people down, your parents down, your, your siblings down, your, your peers down. You could let the world down, and so you simply stay behind that locked door because going out and stepping out is far too terrifying. Or maybe, maybe it's just more simple than that. Maybe you're afraid of dying. Now sure, maybe you don't think about dying all that much. Maybe you're young and you're youthful and you're full of life and you have so many years uh, that you can see ahead of you. But yet, when you do every now and then think about death, it just completely shuts you down. You can't get it out of your mind for multiple days because you feel like there's so much left for you to do. You can't possibly die. Not now, not yet. There is a future waiting for me. But this idea of death just eats away at the very edges of your soul. Or maybe, maybe death is all you think about. Maybe you've lived a long life and death has become far more real of a reality for you. And maybe you sit and wonder, what happens when I die? Is my faith enough to save me? We all have unseen fears. And this fear leaves us sitting in a dark room, locked behind a door that keeps everyone out and the monster in. And the disciples were afraid sitting in the dark, and they were afraid of the future. They were afraid of the unknown. They were afraid of rejection. They were afraid of death. And there they sat behind a locked door in the middle of the night, and a suddenly, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, no one barges through the door, but Jesus appears. He doesn't knock. He doesn't ask a secret passcode. He doesn't even do a secret knock. He doesn't barge through the door. He simply just arrives. And when he arrives, to those who are afraid, he brings with them a single word. Shalom. Which means peace. Peace be with you. In our gospel reading for today, Jesus utters this phrase three different times. And so this morning, for the rest of our sermon, as we move towards the end, I want us to look at each instance of peace and what it means for you and me as Christians living now in the reality of the resurrection. See, because when fear turns to peace, it's a beautiful thing. So the first moment that Jesus speaks of peace We've already seen the disciples' fear turns into peace at the very realization that Jesus is there. He's alive. He has done just as he said. But their peace does not only come from his resurrection. The peace also comes when they see the marks of his crucifixion. He shows them his hands, his side, and they see that it was his death and his resurrection. That this is Jesus. The death and resurrection of Jesus turns fear into peace. 
because in Jesus' death, he paid the price of sin for all people. In his death, he took the wrath of God upon himself in our place, and in his resurrection, he conquered death. He defeated death, and he has won for you and for me and for all who believe forgiveness, life, salvation, and eternal joy. And while death stings, it's no longer to be feared. But instead, when death comes knocking on our door, we can die in confident peace. The very reality of Christ's death and resurrection gives us confidence in this world that although in this life we will have trouble, we can take heart and rejoice because Jesus has overcome the world. That's the first instance of peace. Jesus' death and resurrection turns fear into peace. But I know that fear doesn't vanish so easily. I know that even though we all believe that Jesus has died and been raised, sometimes life gets pretty scary. Things cause us a great amount of fear. I know that we have things in our lives, in our past, that stick into the cracks of our very soul. I know that sin has a way of causing us to be crushed. Whether the sin is is large or small, whether it was a small white lie or something so egregious that even the idea of thinking about it just, just causes you tremendous shame. You couldn't even think of ever speaking this thing out loud. And that maybe it was even many years ago, something that happened so far in the past that even when it is brought up today, you fear for your very salvation. This is where the second utterance of peace comes in. See, after Jesus had appeared to the disciples, he, in our text, does something really important. Something that's really, really vital to the Christian life. Jesus goes to his disciples and he says to them, I am sending you just as the Father has sent me. And he breathes upon them his spirit and then he gives them what we call the office of the keys. What are the office of the keys? Well, it's this this authority given by Christ to his church to forgive and withhold forgiveness of sins. But most importantly, what does Christ send us to do? He sends us to go and forgive. And so what do we do here at Peace in Christ every single Sunday? Sometimes I think it actually gets a little overlooked because it's the first thing that we often do in worship. It's something that we kind of are in a routine of doing. We kind of use the same thing every week. And so it's really easy, I'm guilty of this, to fall into kind of just just the, the routine of it all. But every single Sunday here at Peace in Christ, we begin with confession and absolution where all of us together confess that we are poor, miserable sinners, that we have done things that are not God's way, and we have done things that have hurt other people. We have done things that have hurt ourselves, and we are sorry. And And yet, we know that when we confess, there is forgiveness. Because when we confess, we then hear the sweet words of the gospel, the words of Jesus, I forgive you all of your sins. It's kind of like you hear the words, peace be with you. And so I invite you that 
every Sunday you would really listen. You would really take to heart. You would really focus on those words that are for you. Because maybe you come in here afraid of the sins that you've committed. Maybe you had a a really bad week. Maybe you're afraid to actually confess your sins and, and say to God that I am sorry. Maybe you're afraid that if you confess, they won't be forgiven. I want you to know that when you confess, you can have sure confidence that you are forgiven and that your fear turns into peace. Not only do I want you to see that, my prayer is that each and every week you experience the peace of forgiveness. And yet even so, there may be times even after hearing the news of Christ's death and resurrection, there may be times even after hearing your sins forgiven, after all of that, we still find ourselves with that little small voice in the back of our heads saying, you don't believe that. We find ourselves with that little voice saying, saying that can't be true. You find yourself asking the question, are we really right Maybe you found yourself on Easter, the most joyous day of our church here, finding yourself actually questioning a man rising from the dead. Maybe, maybe for a moment your heart says, this can't be true. Maybe your sin continues to convict you and it's Satan speaking to you. You are too sinful. You are too dirty. You are too shameful. Jesus could never love you. And maybe your heart turns to unbelief. Well, this morning, our third piece comes to Thomas. Thomas, who refused to believe, who refused to trust in Jesus, who refused to to confess until he saw Jesus alive, until he touches Jesus to see he is alive. And it is again here that Jesus speaks a word of peace to Thomas, and he enters once again. He just appears there with Thomas, and he says, Shalom, peace be with you. And before Thomas could even touch Jesus, before he could even put a finger on him, Thomas has this, uh, this absolute fear turn into peace, and from his mouth a confession comes, my Lord and my God. And there he sits in peace. Because in this moment, in Thomas's fear, Jesus comes to him. And so maybe you find yourself sometimes like Thomas. Maybe you thought yourself wondering that this couldn't all be true. Maybe for a moment you actually found yourself with an unbelieving heart, and that terrifies you. But John includes in his gospel this account with Thomas so that we could have peace. 
John includes in this gospel the account of Thomas so that we can trust in Jesus. But even more so, Jesus continues to give himself to us. See, when we are in those moments of doubt, when we are in this moments where we can't believe that Jesus would really forgive our sins, he tells us to take and eat, take and drink, touch, taste, see that the Lord is good, and we receive, and Jesus continues to give. And there he says, peace be with you. And here at this rail, a bunch of fearful people, afraid of their sins, we see fear turn into peace. Because that's what Jesus does. Jesus turns fear into peace. I want to close with this. A time when fear turned into peace. So my grandma shared with me uh, the other day the words that my, the final words that my grandma spoke to my grandpa before he died. And I asked her if I could use that for this sermon, and she said, of course. Uh, she was happy to allow that to happen. And, and this moment just struck me. So before my grandpa died, he couldn't really speak anymore. His ability to speak had left him, and my grandma was there with him, explaining to my grandpa Merle what was happening. She was telling him, Merle, you're dying. Words that I think all of us are afraid to hear. But then she shared her final words to my grandpa. She looked at my grandpa and she said, we love you. I love you. Now go and be with Jesus. And without speaking, my grandpa blinked. And tears filled his eyes. And he just had peace. Even in the face of death, his look was a look of fear turning into peace. My brothers and sisters, Jesus turns fear into peace. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts and minds in our resurrected Christ. Amen.